Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some make it big. And why some don't make it at all. This week, we'll be breaking down Storyworthy, the podcast hosted by Christine Blackburn. This podcast is sponsored by Collab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. All right, let's get right into it. Storyworthy. So this one's kind of a, a classic, right, Michael? This has been around 11 years. Christine Blackburn has been doing this podcast. She has, uh, to date now, over 700 episodes. <laughs> How awesome is that? Yeah, it is awesome. And um, I think if you're going to do 700 episodes, clearly you have figured out um, the winning formula. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about formula. You know, there's no set formula, but, you know, I think Christine proves that that building a formula, building, you know, this sort of structured thing that she does over and over with new guests in the story um, is what, you know, is what makes longevity in the podcast industry. And, uh, you know, she's proved it. So, um, you know, kudos to her. I mean, I, I really like what she's doing. Yeah. So she's got this theme. Of course, the title is called Story Worthy, and all of her podcasts present a story. So, we picked a particular episode, right, to, to review. So you want to intro that, Michael? What, what episode uh, are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so we picked uh, an, uh, an episode that focused on, or at least it was called, um, The Dark Side of Disney. And I know that uh, as we look through the, uh, the various um, podcasts, that name you know, sort of stood out to us. I know that you uh, have a history with Disney, uh, having worked there for many years. Um, and so that one sort of stood out for us. But I can honestly say that all of the podcast names um, were ones that, you know, really drew, you know, drew you in. And in fact, what's interesting about this podcast is, is if you listen to it, there is a discussion on the name of the podcast where clearly Christine um, suggested, you know, two or three names that she thought would be catchy. And he, you know, it was his job basically to pick from one of them. He didn't come up with this. She clearly knows, you know, what's going to draw you in, what's going to be catchy. Um, or what may get somebody to watch uh, to yeah. listen. And um, I, I really liked, um, so that's, you know, that's what drew us in. And I think she's, uh, she's an expert in this, um, you know, podcast naming thing. Yeah, I thought it was actually really interesting that he, well, she tried to give him credit, right? And say, oh, you called it this. And then he immediately right, right. went, yeah. wait, no, no, you called it this. Exactly, it was you. She tried yeah. to deny it. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, and again, this is part of, clearly her personality and her banter, right? It's all about back and forth and how do I make it funny, right? Yeah. And so um, I also thought it was interesting that, um, well, again, if you listen to a lot of her podcasts, there's clearly a strategy there, a theme, a common thread of comedians, particularly comedians in LA, right? Are on her show and tell their funny stories. But Frank Sasso is not a comedian. And he's not from LA, right? He's actually from New Jersey. So right. um, so why do you suppose she picked 
Frank in this case? Yeah, so you, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, um, so we've watched, you know, we've listened to a number of these um, podcasts and most of them are, you know, LA comedians. And I think a lot of our audience is in that LA, you know, comedy scene. But this was an interesting choice. And I really, I really liked this guest. First of all, I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, sort of the accent. He's got, he's the New Jersey Italian. It was like, it was like listening to the Sopranos, right? For, you know, for 50 minutes. And, uh, you know, I found him amusing, you know, just a, on that level. Um, but if you ask me why I think she chose him, so clearly there is a bit of an introduction. She'd met him at a podcasting, um, uh, I think it was a conference. And, uh, you know, she yeah. sort of saw this guy. He was funny. He, you know, had this unique New York, uh, you know, Jersey accent. Um, and, he's, and he was in the podcasting um, space. And I think a lot of comedians in the, I assume in the LA scene, are potentially interested maybe in getting into podcasting. Um, so I really saw her as, playing a role as a connector here so yes she didn't she didn't fit or that person frank didn't fit her regular you know sort of guest theme but i really saw him as a bridge between you know potentially uh you know her audience who wants to maybe get into the podcasting um, thing and frank who is a you know who runs a podcasting um production company um, on the east coast and uh you know so as a as a result i think it was I think it was a good choice. You know, it broke a, a little bit away. Uh, I mean, I think he's a funny guy. I enjoyed his story. Um, I enjoyed listening to him. But I think, you know, in this case, she was she was trying to connect two groups of people. Um, and I think it really worked. Yeah, so I agree. I think you made a really good point about the kind of networking effect of her podcasts. I do think that her primary purpose for being in 700 episodes is to entertain. But yeah. secondary to that, is to connect people and to build relationships. And, you know, of course, we also know that there's a lot of banter and chit chat in her podcast, right? It's about the story, but she doesn't actually dedicate a lot of time in each episode to the story. A lot of it is this banter and back and forth. And it is about relationships and who do you know? And every episode, she's trying to figure out if there's some common thread somebody we know someplace you've been that i've been or something you've done that i've done um but usually it's about people right who do you know that i know yeah so he was a good guest from that perspective kind of opening up expanding her her network and i also agree he was funny for for not yeah. being a, a, a comedian really no he's, he's um, not a comedian at all he's an animation guy yeah well, and now he owns this company right. in, in podcasting and he hosts multiple podcasts himself. I've actually, I want to look him up too and, and listen to some of his podcasts because I'll bet he's pretty darn funny on his podcasts too. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to get a little more of his style in there. Um, but I do want to talk about the, the story itself, sure. right? So as you mentioned, I, I have a Disney connection, right? And what's really interesting in this case is his story is specifically about 1989 in Orlando, visiting Disney World um, as a in, a in a service role, basically. He wasn't there as a guest to experience the parks or something. You know, he came there for a specific business purpose and yeah. um, to train animators in this technology. But in 1989, I was one of those guys at Disney that he describes as men in black. Okay. I, really? I wore one of those suits. I had the earplug. 
I ran around. I remember people commenting to me that, you know, are you guys secret service or something? Um, and uh, well, how so many of these was, people would there have been in, in Disney at the time? Oh, many. There were there were many, many buses. Yeah. I worked in entertainment. I, I wore that suit in entertainment. I, you know, I yeah. supervised live entertainment shows and worked with performers. And we did host, you know, there were famous people. We would go to the airport and pick them up and bring yeah, yeah. them in. So um, so it really, you know, it, it hit home with me. Obviously, I was there for 11 years. I'm quite familiar with the underground structures, and it is a pretty amazing facility and what they built out in the swamp there in Orlando uh, suburb. Yeah. But, um, you know, beyond that, his story was complete nonsense, right? I mean, at least half of the story was so embellished, it was, you know, fictitious. But he understood that he was on that show to tell a funny story, and he did. Right. It was. Right. And it was. I agree. Great I don't think it to. matters. You know, as, yeah. as, as we've said before, I, um, you know, this is this is entertainment. And uh, whether or not you felt the story was over the top, um, which it may very well have been. I don't care. You know, yeah. make it as funny as possible. And um, that is the job of, uh, you know, of you on Storyworthy. And uh, I, I think he pulled it off. What was interesting about the story is, you know, he, he goes on. Uh, you know, you've got to wait 20 minutes into the into the into the podcast before you get to the story. And and as we've discussed, that's the shtick, right? You banter until you get to the story, and then you hit me with the you know the funniest story you can tell. And you know, honestly, there were really some good some good parts about this. Um, the uh, the fact that they pick him up in a jeep, and that he's blindfolded and <laughs> driven into the woods, and that he's taken down this elevator, and and. This is the bit that they hit you with at the beginning. So, you know, you and I have talked about the hook, right? We've talked about what podcasters do well. And that is at the beginning, they basically hit you with the best part of the story to draw, you know, to draw you in. And this whole, you know, driving me in the Jeep to the woods, um, yes. you know, where the, where the road, you know, turns from pavement to, to dirt. Um, and he thought and he was going to get whacked. That's right. right. He thought he was going to get whacked. He arrives at this ranch style house in the middle of nowhere. They put the blindfold on him. I mean, it really, it really is, you know, a good story. And then at the end, so you and I are also about questions. And once the story is, is all told and, and Christine and, and, uh, and this guy, Frank engage a little bit more banter, she does ask him, so, so what's going on? Like, what's the ruse? Like, because after, after the, the ice had been broken and he, he, you know, he'd gotten into the studio and he'd made friends with everybody, you know, at the end, they didn't treat him the same as they did at the beginning, that there was this change, that, that this was all some sort of put on gag to, I don't know what, you know, make him feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, what was all the secrecy beforehand? And then once you sort of had, you know, in, you know engaged with everybody and they felt comfortable with you, you know, why did they do this? What's with the blindfold? What's all, what's with the whole secrecy thing? And and Frank really couldn't um, he couldn't answer the question, right? He didn't know what had changed. I mean, I don't know if you can provide any insight to this, but and and but that's not really the point. The point is he he told the whole story, and when she asked him the question, oh, why did they do this to you? He really wasn't able to answer the question. He said, oh, you know, I've I've been sworn to secrecy for 25 years um, as if that was some sort of you know statue of limitations um, <laughs> and it would have been really interesting I think if he'd been able to answer that question had 
over the 25 years since this had happened, you know, um, did he gain any insight into, you know, what this was all about? Why did I have to go through this? Um, that to me, that if he'd been able to do that, then this podcast would really would have hit home yeah. for me. And, and, and the whole thing, the little bow would have been tied up at the end and I would have walked away, you know, really, really happy. But, um, and for the sake the of our, our listeners, I will explain. All right. He was, I, I don't know if he was actually blindfolded or that was just something he added to the story, but they, to me, what I heard there was it's all about transition and magical, right? Mm -hmm. Disney World is all about um, getting you into that fantasy without breaking the illusion, right? And so my guess is that he needed to pass through an area that was either under construction or would have, you know, really kind of broken the illusion. So they, they blindfolded him or masked him to get him through because they wanted him to have that magical moment when you you take off the you know the blindfold and you're in this creative amazing space right okay <clears throat> they wanted to put him in that context they wanted to put him in that mood so he could be really creative that's my take on it on the way out doesn't matter anymore now Right. You've been indoctrinated, you know, see what you're going to see on the way out. You've signed the NDA, right? Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, on the way I like in, they wanted him to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite possible that he was driving through something that was still under construction, certainly in 1989. Um, yep. And they just didn't want him to see it. Um, and maybe it would have broken the illusion. Um, that would have been a great answer had he been able to yes. come up with it. Um, but he was trying to paint Disney as this kind of scary, oh, right. this, you know, yes. yeah, the dark side, right? He right. was. He was playing into that whole theme. So, um, so yes, he didn't attempt to explain it. And, um, and I think if he had explained it the way I just explained it, it would have kind of broken the, <laughs> the mold in terms of the, the picture he was painting of his, of his weird, scary Disney experience. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I get why he wouldn't have attempted to explain that even if he had picked up on, you know, that was <laughs> why. They may have even have explained it to him you know, later when he said, why did you, you know, do that to sure. me? Um, I'll, I'll bet they would have been honest about it. But um, anyway, the, um, I want to get back to this kind of format thing, because I think that this is a, it's very interesting approach. Um, I also, I love the hook. She has great title. Um, then right, that lead in piece that just hooks you, you just want to hear the story. Then yeah. she makes you wait right off they time. go banter 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 25 minutes half the episode they yeah. they don't even say a word about the story again really um you know she also she plugs her previous episode every episode she does yeah. this this is a standard component of every episode um and she tries to find some connection between them if possible um kind of a lead in something from the last episode that can tie to this episode um she also plugs her live show that she does in LA. Um, it's always a component of the thing. And in fact, interestingly, uh, a lot of her podcasts have no advertising. Um, not all of them. I did look back further and there are some that have advertisers and she actually refers to advertising in this podcast. But, um, but this particular episode had no named advertisements or sponsors in it, but she does plug her show and she plugs her show in every podcast I've listened to. Then they get their story and then they they wrap up with a again a little bit more um chit chat and you know who do you know <laughs> um that I might know 
you know, kind of thing. So, um, but this is very consistent, a, a formula, as you said, that works yeah. for her. And she's done this so many times it, uh, it works really, really well. But I also want to ask you about her preparation for this. Um, clearly she uses the same format over and over and over again, a, a formula for success that has worked over 11 years, but how much does she prepare and, and how well does this come out? or not in questions she asks her guests? I think she's clearly a master of um, timing, right? So I think she knows exactly when she's going to move from, um, you know, through the various pieces. I think she knows um, in a 50 minute podcast that she is going to start the story at 20 minutes. It seems very clear that that is the time that she's, that her goal is to get banter through the 20 minutes and then get sort of her, she thinks she can probably get 20 minutes out of the story and then wrap it up in the final 10. Yeah. So I, I actually wonder if she has a clock in front of her because I yeah. timed it on multiple episodes and you're right, it's almost exactly <laughs> that right. 20 I think minutes. She's a, as I say, I think she's a master yeah. of preparation in that sense. Um, and I think clearly she, so obviously she starts off, you know, I mean, it, it goes through the a really, you know, pretty stringent um, format, right? She does the music. She does the short intro of the guest. She hits them with the hook. She repeats the guest um, intro. She does the music. She introduces herself. She does the last week review. Um, and that's sort of the icebreaker that gets them into the conversation. And I think she knows what she's going to talk about in a general sense. So um, clearly she was able, she because the topic was Disney, um, she was able to, you know, sort of interject with personal anecdotes of, you know, her daughter and the fact that they were, you know, trying to avoid all of the, the typical, you know, Disney princess things with a young girl. Um, so, they, you know, they were able to use that and they were able to lead up to the Disney story and that they were able to make it a little bit dark that they were somehow, you know, affecting these young children with, um, you know, you know, these, you know, horrific things that the princesses do. So I, I, I think there wasn't many, there wasn't many questions. The, the questions that she asked tended to be after the story. And again, I, it was from what I brought up before where she was, she was very confused with, you know, this story, right? Oh, why do they do this? And um, I think that, you know, with a little bit more preparation, I think that could have gone a little bit better after the story had completed. But I think Christine is, uh, again, I think she's a master of, of timing, but I don't think she, I don't think she has a hard and fast list of questions that she's going to ask. I think it's very much about playing out her personality. Um, she's a very good listener. She plays with um, the guest appropriately. Um, and I think that's what makes it, um, you know, flow really, really nicely. Um, but again, you know, we're all about the structure, right? She knows the structure and she's going to play through that. Um, this isn't about questions per se. It's about, um, it's about timing. And uh, maybe if you're a comedian, that's what it's all about, right? You know, that's her specialty, in my opinion. Yep, I I agree. She is <laughs> she doesn't need to prepare a lot because I think she no. wants to do a lot of it as spontaneous and unscripted. And um yes, and she has a clear talent for the comedic timing and uh funny interjections um into a story. So yeah. awesome. So Christina Blackburn and story worthy worth the listen. If you haven't listened to any of her podcasts, I highly recommend that you check her out and listen to some of them. 
um, or subscribe to it regularly if you're into that scene in the LA comedy circuit. Um, yeah. She is well worth uh, having on your list of podcasts to check out regularly. Okay, that was our review of Storyworthy, The Dark Side of Disney with Christine Blackburn. You've been listening to No Harm in Asking with Michael Kerr and Eric Byron. Thanks for listening. We've got lots more reviews coming. Please subscribe and tell all your friends. If you'd like us to review your podcast, please let us know. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration.